Hello again. This is Series 11 of Satisfied. The Series 11 podcast enhanced the Bible study covering the book of 2 Timothy in the New Testament. This study is called To Be Found Faithful. I'm Melanie Newton, just an everyday kind of woman who loves the Lord and His Word. In the last podcast, we looked at how to stay faithful no matter the cost. Today's podcast will cover Lesson 5 of this To Be Found Faithful Bible Study. We will look at how to stay faithful to God through our words. Words are a specific part of our way of life, aren't they? Sadly, I've seen ministries unravel because of ugly or accusing words flying between Christians who are supposedly mature, some in leadership. Dead bodies lie all over the place because of words. Shrapnel from verbal bombshells wound innocent bystanders. In this section of Paul's letter to Timothy, he told his friend to warn the Ephesian believers against quarreling about words. He said that such quarreling is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Then he warned Timothy to avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Words matter. And so often we take on the world's words in our communications, especially on social media. We have knee-jerk reactions and post things that are more worldly and self-centered than godly and Christ-centered. Our words can draw the listener or the reader closer to Christ or push her further away from Christ. In our words, we are to stay faithful and useful to God. In Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he wrote in chapter 4 these words, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I think if Paul were writing this today, he would have included words that come from our fingers too, don't you? Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. So what counts as unwholesome talk? The underlying Greek word literally means rotten. What is rotten talk? The obvious answer from this verse is anything that isn't beneficial for the building up of the one who is listening or reading. That's rotten talk. Other translations use the words foul and abusive. If it is unkind, accusing, malicious, or making others cringe or cry, it is unwholesome, even toxic. Toxic talk is laced with harsh criticism. It plants seeds of doubt about others so that distrust and hurt feelings prevail based on gossip and slander. A friend of mine recently told me of the change in her work environment that happened with the addition of one female coworker. What was once a team-oriented, respect-and-support-each-other work climate went into toxic shock because of one woman in a matter of three to four weeks. From the moment she stepped into her new job, Miss Toxic began targeting her fellow administrative personnel, mainly women, with harsh criticism. 
No one had done this before in their safe little office. Pretty soon, Miss Toxic had planted seeds of doubt in all the other women about each other so that distrust and hurt feelings prevailed based on gossip and slander. This was done without the managers recognizing what was happening. Finally, one of the hurting women cracked under the torture and spilled the beans to her boss. The sad thing is that the woman who created the toxic shock work environment calls herself a Christian and attends a local Bible teaching church. The pastor is well known for his truthful sermons. She goes to church on Sunday, joins in the worship music, and hears a sermon on being Christ-like all the time. Then she leaves it at home when she goes to work on Monday and spews rotten talk from her mouth. Do you know anybody like this? Have you been like this? We as believers are to stay useful to God in how we use our words. That means all 20,000 words per day for women. <laughs> at work or any group situation, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth in the way of toxic talk about the other people. Then there's grumbling and arguing. When it comes to the quarreling thing, Paul wrote this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 14. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Grumbling springs from a bad attitude expressed in muttering, whining, and griping. Arguing or quarreling springs from an arrogant attitude that starts out as grumbling, then leads to outright disputes. I'm not talking about a discussion of facts or an official debate about facts. That's not arguing whenever you can leave emotions out of it. Did you catch what I said, that arguing starts out as grumbling and whining? We live in a culture of complainers. Everywhere we turn, we hear complaints. You know very well that we women have a strong tendency to mutter, grumble, whine, and gripe. And our relationships often feel the brunt of our ungrateful and discontented attitudes. My Facebook feed is often filled with alarm signals through a cleverly worded poem, a scathing video, or someone's blog about how bad our society is. And we drink the wine, W-H-I-N-E, that kind of wine. Then we get riled up, pass it along to rile others up, and wait for the next one to come that we can share. Whining about life is not very effective for changing anything. It's a trap, this whining and pointing fingers at whatever, because it doesn't meet our expectations. That reminds me of how movies portray women when they see a mouse. You know, jumping up on a chair, stomping feet up and down, hands waving in the air and lots of yelling. <laughs> that makes for a great movie scene, but it's not very effective for getting rid of the mouse. Yes, our culture is broken, and yes, we need to be praying that our God will actively work in our culture. But guess what? He chooses to do that through us, you and me individually, as we build into the lives of those around us who need to know Jesus. But it's easier and far more comfortable to whine about our culture and warn everyone about the bad that is going on around us than it is to intentionally pray for, spend time with, and share our faith with that neighbor right next door who is far from the God who created her. 
Yet that is what Jesus commissioned each of us to do, to share with her the freedom and joy she can have in knowing Jesus. So we need to stop whining and start befriending. I need to add this though. There is a difference between complaining and seeing a problem and working toward a solution. When it is possible to change the outcome of a situation or make a difference to those who are already in our daily walk of life, we should take action. Even then, we must watch out for grumbling when others don't see our way. So stop whining and start being intentional. Grumbling and arguing can cleave unity in a church body as much as the San Andreas Fault is splitting California. That's unwholesome talk. Paul warned Timothy and us about it. Don't do it. Back to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Eliminate the rotten talk and speak only what is helpful and beneficial. Helpful words build others up. To build up means to strengthen them in their faith and to promote their spiritual growth. Build others up according to their needs. That means you are paying attention to what their needs are. You love them and care about their spiritual growth. The person listening should love Jesus even more because of what you say. They should be drawn to follow him more closely as his disciple through reading your words. Wow, if we actually obeyed our Lord in this, can you imagine the impact for the kingdom? Our words should benefit those who listen. Another translation says that it may give grace to those who hear. What does it mean to give grace to those who hear? Our God has lavished His grace upon us and calls us to be grace givers to others. Yet we more quickly judge and criticize others than assume goodwill from them. And if wounded, we want to fight back, spewing venom to make sure everyone knows we've been hurt. God calls us to be grace givers not only for the benefit of others, but because it's what is best for us. Through Christ living in us, we can take the grace God has lavished upon us and pour it back on someone else that it may benefit those who listen. Even correcting someone can be done in a beneficial, grace-giving way. If it doesn't help the person listening or reading by communicating encouragement and direction to live life God's way, don't say it. If it doesn't make her love her Lord more, don't text it. Don't post it. Dear believer, words are a heart issue. Jesus said in Mark chapter 7, verse 21, that evil thoughts, malicious words, slander, and arrogance spew from the heart. The message translation says those things vomit from the heart. What a vivid picture. By spewing such filth in her words, a Christian is revealing a heart that is not committed to obeying her Lord in this area. It's not the mouth that malfunctions. It's the heart. Christians over the years have learned that certain practices, such as daily devotionals, 
dedicated prayer and giving help to keep the heart turned toward God. These are often called spiritual disciplines. Such disciplines may heighten your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit's work in conforming your inner and outer self to look more like Jesus. What makes something a spiritual discipline is that it takes a specific part of your way of life and turns it toward God. The practice of using beneficial, grace-giving, speaking, texting, emailing, and writing should be considered a spiritual discipline. So if you find yourself in a situation with another Christian where you are splattered with vicious and rotten words, I suggest you quote Ephesians 4.29 and respond with this. Want to try that again? Do the same if you hear rotten words coming out of your own mouth. Apologize and try it again. Stay faithful to God through your words. Let Jesus satisfy your heart with His faithfulness, then make the choice to stay faithful to Him for the rest of your life. Until next time, I'm Melanie Newton, and this is Series 11 of Satisfied.